Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along my co-host, Eddie Richard, and we are back after a couple weeks of being out of it for a little bit. There hasn't been too much news going on in the league until uh, this last week. So the format of the show, like the last couple ones, we'll talk about some of the league updates and where they're at with the playoffs and the regular season and whatnot. Then our middle segment is pretty much driven by you, the fans. Most of it is questions from you and topics that you have picked, along with some other uh, Ducks team news. There's been a couple little updates uh, recently, so we'll cover that. And then the last major segment will be basically other hockey news and also kind of what we're doing in our free time, uh, obviously, as we're all you know still in this stay-at-home mode as of right now. So uh, with that, we'll get started into the show. We'll get into the, the updates with the league and whatnot on the last show. We had talked about the uh, President Trump meeting with the commissioners, and they had talked about that the league's goal was, quote, to resume play as soon as it's appropriate and prudent so that they will be able to compete, or excuse me, complete the season and award the Stanley Cup. And it sounds like that is still the plan. Uh, They're talking about playing in August and September. Uh, An article just came out recently from ESPN that they're now even possibly talking about playing in July. And it's the only real change, Eddie, that they've kind of shifted a little bit is, as, as we mentioned on the past show, they talked about North Dakota as a neutral site. Uh, there are a couple other places out there that they mentioned as well, but they're shifting from that. They're now talking about picking arenas for uh, each division, basically. So they talked about uh, Carolina, Minnesota, and Edmonton as three of the potential places. Uh, they're trying to figure out the fourth division as well, but they're looking at maybe having a whole bunch of games played in uh, one day uh, at each location, you know, over the course of several days, obviously, because there's 189 regular season games left to be played. But they're looking at this, and this is the new latest thing, I guess you could say. Obviously, every time uh, we talk about this, it changes. So, you know, by the time you're listening to this, it may have changed to something else. But at the time of us recording this, that's kind of the latest and greatest idea. Uh, but my position really hasn't changed from the last show, Eddie. I, I don't know what your feeling is. I, I don't get the whole need to finish the regular season. Um, I think that they should just more or less worry about the playoffs instead. But this is kind of how they're trying to figure out the regular season. Um, what do you think as far as them moving from neutral sites to now trying to play uh, you know, division-based games at certain arenas and whatnot? Yeah, I'm on that same boat too. I, I just... You know, I guess the season seems like it's going to be a wash, and why not just call just call the regular season and just focus on on getting the playoffs and and you know trying to find the teams that are going to you know be the best from there to win the Stanley Cup. I know a lot of teams that are out of the playoff spot already. Like, how are they really going to come and perform if they're pretty much playing for 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 nothing basically? Like, you can't expect them to go and and go out there and be motivated to play it's just it's not really fair to the players they've been out for so long they're going to need some adequate time to train and get back into game form it's not really you know safe to just throw a player out there quote-unquote cold or just doing their their home workouts that's not really fair i'd say just you know it's it seems like a, a long shot to play those 189 games 
like I said before, let's just do like uh, like a four games between the two wild cards and the two teams in the bottom, and see who's going to fill up that spot, and just do a regular playoff series, maybe condense the first round and or for the first two rounds and uh, two seven game series for the conference final and the Stanley Cup. But it just seems that they're trying to hold on to something that doesn't really seem like it's practical. So at this point, yeah, it sucks, but I say just call the regular season and just really put your your full undivided attention on getting these playoffs rolling once everything is safe to do so. Yeah, and we've discussed that at length the last two shows. So we went over playoff scenarios. Not really going to go over them too much on this show again to beat a dead horse. But we both advocated having an abbreviated type system, which a lot of you have said that as well. We had a poll question too recently, and, and half of you uh, almost said to keep uh, the playoffs but forget the regular season. And then the a little bit less than half also said, you know, just cancel the whole thing. So that's where the mindset's been amongst you uh, in our poll questions is, you know, as far as trying to do the regular season and the playoffs, I think we only had like 10% say to do that. So we've had like, you know, 90 something percent uh, plus voting for one of the other two options, which is more likely what I think will happen. But who knows? Like we said, this keeps changing all the time. But that's the latest and greatest as far as what they're looking at is trying to finish the regular season by picking uh, arenas uh, you know, within each division, and, and that's how they would go from there, at least as of today. One thing that they did do that we know for sure is they extended the quarantine period. We talked about it before. It was extended to April uh, 15th. Now it's been extended to April 30th, so we'll see if that gets extended again as well. Um, as far as you know, all the stay-at-home orders and everything, you know, you can keep up with your local news on it. There's so much going on. It, I can't keep track of every jurisdiction. Everybody's doing something different. But um, at least that's where the players are at right now. They're still in self-quarantine until the end of April. So obviously it doesn't look like there will be any kind of hockey in May at all. But they did talk about the draft uh, again recently, Eddie, and they're talking about still having it in June. If you recall, it was scheduled for the end of the month in Montreal. And they're talking about doing a virtual one, which we you know, suspected because of the social distancing, the stay-at-home orders, and all that. But uh, Pierre Lebrun of TSN slash The Athletic tweeted out that they're talking about still doing it in June and then having this you know, season or, and or playoffs afterwards. And I, I just see this as a huge, huge problem. I, I, I don't know why they're trying to do this still in June. I, I think they need to try to figure out the regular season and the playoffs first, as we've talked about in the last couple of shows. But there, some of the issues that I, I see with this is if they do, uh, you know, have it in June and then still finish the season in some form, uh, you have the draft position of the teams, which we've gone over what the playoffs would look like and where the teams would be at right now. But obviously that would change, you know, depending on how the, the season played out. You also have conditional picks on there uh, that have games played and different attachments like that. Some pertain to the playoffs and whatnot. I talked about uh, Sammy Votnin in the article I wrote where he's supposed to play, you know, 12 games um, the rest of the regular season, or he's supposed to play 70% of the playoff time, and then that upgrades the pick that the Devils got in the trade. So there's things like that that would have to be worked out. Uh, and even regular trades would be kind of a weird deal too, because normally you make these trades and the season's done. Uh, one idea I had was maybe you just trade draft picks for draft picks. But, you know, if you're trying to trade players, then what do you do? Do you trade the player... And he goes to that that other team after the draft, and they finish the season. I mean, that's just kind of kind of strange. Or do you hold on to the player, and he's not eligible till the season next year? I mean, there's just too many problems I see with this. I mean, we know there's going to be a draft. We know it's going to be most likely a virtual type one. They're not going to have everybody there gathering. We get that. But 
I think they're kind of putting the cart before the horse on this report, Eddie. I mean, just figure out the season. Are we going to have it or we're not? And if they're not going to have it, then okay, we can do the draft in June and, and do what we're going to do. Otherwise, I mean, they're already trying to figure out how to finish the season. Now you're creating a whole other uh, you know, can of worms, so to speak, of problems of trying to figure out how to do this draft and amend all these rules because you're going to have to do something if the season comes after it, Eddie. Oh, it's just there's too many moving parts. It's a big old cluster duck, and I mean that with the F, not the D. It's just way too much going on. I think it's stupid to try to even talk about having the draft still in June and going to have playoffs. It makes zero sense at all. There's, Like I said, there's too many things to factor in. And one other thing, too, that probably people wouldn't have thought about is the draft itself for these players. It's a one once-in-a-lifetime experience, and everyone, like these players that go on and have lengthy careers, they always talk about and mention how that was a, a one-of-a-kind experience and, and something that... That kind of, you know, that's part of the game and part of being an NHL player. I'd hate to see them doing a, a virtual draft or changing it up. You know, if you have to wait and hold off, wait and hold off. It's, it's not going to hurt. Yeah, it sucks that we're in this situation. No one asked for it. We, we can't control, you know, the outcome of things right now. But at least just keep that integrity of the draft and let those draftees have their day and experience what every other athlete before them experience and have that that draft i think that's for me that's one of the most important things uh besides all the 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 crap with all the the trades and stuff like that i think the most important thing is for these prospects to get their day they worked hard they left their families and i think they deserve that that one day for it to be just their day that you don't have to worry about making the team they don't have to worry about impressing they have to worry about their name being called up, and they can just, you know, they're one step closer to their their, their dream. I think that's really important, and I really, I really hope the NHL uh, doesn't do the virtual, doesn't try to do it in June. Just, you know, what let's let's get the playoffs out of the way first, and then we'll go from there. And stop trying to, you know, trying to put one foot over the other too fast. Yeah, I agree 100. I, I just think it adds too many problems, and that's you can read the article I wrote on it. Uh, kind of went over it, not not in super depth, but I just brought up some of these points uh, as as we talked about as far as draft position, how it would change, you know, playing the season afterwards, trying to fulfill these conditional picks, how how the rules would work out with that and trades and all that. It's a, a lot of problems, and then you know Eddie brought up a good point too. This is a big day for these young players, and if there's a way to do it, maybe later on and have you know a limited crowd or or maybe at least have them the the draftees so to speak there or something like that instead of just doing it all online uh you know and they could work that out uh, if it's possible again there's there's so many moving parts of all the rules and everything out there in the real world going on right now but uh, definitely they need to do it after the season if they're going to finish the regular season and the playoffs for sure um and, and i know some of you out there are going well why is it such a big deal why do they why do they keep wanting to finish the regular season why do they want to keep uh you know doing the playoffs what, what's such a big deal and it was kind of revealed in an athletic article recently and it's not a surprise right money of course we talked about that uh george wrote an article too uh recently talking about jerseys right and, and how money makes that go around but this too money makes uh the league go around and the playoffs are a big deal to them they had an article on the players and their paychecks and if you don't know they get 13 paychecks throughout the season, and they were supposed to receive their last one on April 15th, which the players agreed not to take uh, in conjunction with the uh, Players Association. And the reason why is because if they don't have playoffs, they're saying it's an estimated loss of over a billion dollars. 
So this is why there's a big deal for the push for the league. They want to award the cup, obviously, like they do, you know, every year, except we talked about 1919 on the last show, right? When that all happened, the last big pandemic. But they want to keep that going in that tradition, obviously, as part of it. But that loss that they're talking about is approximately 20% of the revenue for the season, which is crazy. You think about that. And it affects the players because obviously they get their money from the television, right? The the different advertisements, us going to the games and buying our tickets and food, right? Overpriced beers that Eddie and I like to pay for, right? All that stuff. So that's a, that's a big issue here. And that's, that's why the league is so big on trying to finish the season because you're talking about losing a fifth of their revenue. And... The problem that comes with the the players and their their paychecks and stuff is they didn't take this last paycheck because if the season's canceled, they would have to give those last paychecks back anyways. And what's unfortunate for the players is they're going to have to give up probably more money than that. It depends on what the league would do. But based upon the article in The Athletic, they were saying that if it's 20% and the players have to give back roughly that much... I mean, that's, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow, especially for players that have big contracts this year, right? They'd have to give up a lot of money. So that's a, a huge deal that they're talking about. Uh, if they did cancel the season, they have to work that out. The other problem, which we'll talk about kind of later in the show is, is in our, some of our other news, but there's a handful of players that have retired. Uh, and part of that issue is how are you going to collect money from retired players? Are you going to take it out of their last check or, or are you going to try to you know, make them pay down the future because another idea that they mentioned in the article was spreading out the uh, deficit um, and taking away from, you know, the future player salaries basically over time. So that's why basically it's such a big deal. We're talking about a billion dollars at a one fifth of the revenue of the NHL. And that's why, you know, it's not a surprise. I know you're going, duh, money, I get you. But at least here, this gives you a little bit of insight as to how much money and why the players didn't take their last paycheck and whatnot. It's a good article on The Athletic. goes into a lot of depth. There's a little bit more detail into it. I don't want to get all into it. I'm not a math expert, but that's the gist of it, Eddie. Um, and it makes sense. And it's, it's just, it, you realize it affects everybody. And, of course, there's people out there that, are having trouble not working and, and not being able to put food on the table. And obviously that is even more important than this. But that that's just the explanation uh, that I want to let you guys all know because it's laid out here in this article of, of why it's such a big deal that the league tries to finish the season, Eddie. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, a billion dollars is nothing to joke about. That's a lot of money. And, you know, um, well, that's for the playoffs. But, yeah, I, the, the regular season on top of that, you, you know, the employees too. If, if the regular season gets back on track, you have employees and more jobs opening up. Um, I'm not sure how many more jobs they're going to do without fans, but I'm pretty sure you, you still have to have an adequate amount of personnel there uh, to, to make a game function. Uh, you know, for example, I'm sure there has to be security, uh, EMS, and police officers present at games, uh, f- you know, regardless if fans are there or not. So that just adds more, you know, money for that. Um, yeah, as far as just getting everything rolling, man, I just keep looking at that that dollar amount, Mike, one billion dollars. I, I didn't know that the playoffs generate that much. Twenty percent of the the season's revenue. I didn't know it was that much. That's crazy to think about that amount. But it's just it's gonna be one of those. It's it's one of those things where. Like, like people aren't weren't prepared for, and they don't know what's gonna happen. So they're just kind of like just pretty much running around with their, like a chicken with their head cut off. Um, I have to go in more depth and read that article from the Athletic too. Um, if you guys didn't know the Athletic, they have like a, a ninety day trial for free, so you can go on and read all their articles. I suggest do that. They're really great references, and they have a lot of great writers and they're real knowledgeable. And we use them as reference quite often. 
uh, especially for this show, and always give them credit, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And we have another article that we'll talk about from The Athletic in the next segment. Uh, I'm not going to jump ahead yet. We're, we're not quite there yet. But as Eddie mentioned, yes, check out The Athletic. They have that 90-day free trial. Uh, and obviously we've had Eric Stevens and Jordan Samuel Thomas on here. They've been great to the show. Um, and we've always had, uh, you know, just nothing but good things uh, as far as relationship-wise with the athletics. So definitely check them out if you haven't already. Um, one last little bit of news on the league and kind of what's going on before we shift to our, all our Ducks uh, stuff. Uh, Eddie was looking this and researching this up. But according to TSN, they're talking about the salary cap being about the same, 81.5 million. And there's a lot of free agents out there, uh, some big names and whatnot. Um, that you know, when, whenever this gets resolved, like we said, however the draft plays out in the regular season, of course there will be some free agency at some point. But um, there's some big names out there. You know, t- um, Taylor Hall's on there again. Uh, there's there's a lot of former Ducks on here. Uh, Sammy Votnin, uh, Corey Perry's on here. You remember uh, Kevin Chattenkirk, right? That was the one that was mentioned in some trade talks with the Ducks before. Uh, Dustin Bufflin, and we got an update on him as well. So there's some names out there and, and players to look at. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting, Eddie, uh, uh, who who the Ducks may try to go after. That's kind of what leads us into our, our middle segment here of, of who they're going to pick. A lot of you are asking us questions about that. Um, but I think the interesting thing about this too, Eddie, is to make the situation better for the Ducks, and I'll let you talk about this, was, was now you know that article in The Athletic uh, by Jonathan Willis. He talked about compliance buyouts and how uh, this is something that could change in the league. And this would affect the Ducks, Eddie. Uh, it actually make the situation uh, much better for Anaheim. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, he was talking about compliance bu- uh, buyouts. That's basically the uh, same thing as regular buyout, but it doesn't count against your cap. Uh, he mentioned uh, he mentioned it for uh, one buyout for each team. And for uh, the Anaheim Ducks, he mentioned that David Backus is being potential compliance buyout. And that would give us a $4.5 million uh, cap to be taken off our books. Um, with the salary cap being the same and what's going on in the situation, the, the free agency pool is going to be, uh, it seems like it's going to be expedited. Um, if, 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 if you want to just, you know, sign with the team or, or you want to have your agent negotiate, it's not going to be, okay, we'll, you know, we'll get back to you in a week or so. It's not going to have that much time. Players or teams are just going to have to sign players and, and start getting ready uh, for the season. It's going to be, seems like it's going to be a little expedited. Um, and, and as far as trades, too, in that aspect, uh, like we saw with Justin Falk, um, I guess it was rumored that he was going to Anaheim, and all of a sudden St. Louis comes and picks him up in a, a better uh, package. I don't know. I, I speculated before. Maybe someone leaked it on purpose to get another team you know, to up their price or other teams interested fast. Who knows? But with this you know, come the off season when we have it and finished up this season – it seems like the options are going to be a little bit expedited, and teams aren't going to, you know, have that luxury of trying to, you know, negotiate back and forth for for days or weeks at a time. It's a little bit faster, and then, so a lot of teams are going to be tight on the cap, especially if it's not going to go up. If, if, if it's going to stay the same, teams can't go out and, and get these big name players that are on there, or these big name players aren't going to be able to fetch the max return in their money. And teams like Anaheim, if they have that compliance buyout, are going to have substantial amount of money to go out there and maybe overpay for a player to come on the Ducks at right as of right now being on a, a rebuilding Ducks team and be part of that I, I'm not sure how much they were they're going to overpay or if, if they even have to overpay because 
I guess a fair salary might be a stretch for some teams too. Now, there's a lot of names on this list, a ton of names. Uh, one name that stuck out to me is Spiza. I, I know the Ducks tried to sign him. They had to put him on waivers, and he got picked up. I'm not sure if they're going to try to go after him. Another one, too, um, regarding Ryan Miller's status. Um, yeah, there, there's goalies on here that are available. So uh, yeah, if, we, if we bring up Stolarz or if we bring another goalie that can possibly compete with Stolarz, and that's a good thing, too. But it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how the free agency period is going to work w- with this coming up. Um, it's, it's not going to be, you know, like I said, teams don't have the luxury to go back and forth with agents. They're going to be so, you know, quick to sign and, and get the ball rolling and on to the next one. It's, it's going to be a fast-paced thing. And teams like the Ducks and a few other teams that have that, that you know, extra cap space, um, it might be something that, you know, we might get better free agents than we had in the past that would willing to sign with the Ducks and be part of that rebuilding process. And, you know, just because the Ducks have that available cap space and then hopefully – you know, at the end, it'll work out for the Ducks. You know, and we'll capitalize on something that was negative. Yeah, and I mean, looking at that, uh, you know, cap space stuff, uh, you know, uh, obviously I defer to cap friendly, right? So check out their website. But on there, they have the Ducks listed as having $2.8 million right now as of today when we're recording the show. Uh, don't forget, uh, Eve's coming off the books, right, with his retirement. He's at three point one. So now that puts the Ducks at close to $6 million. And then you have Kessler, who... Still pretty sure he's going to be on the LTIR next season, which is another six point eight million. So I mean, you're jumping up there close to thirteen million that the Ducks will have uh, in cap space, um, you know, next season, barring you know, other things happening, of course. But as of right now, that's how it's kind of looking. And then if you add in this Bacchus deal, if they if you're able to make these kind of buyouts and have it not count, that's another four point five million. So there's definitely some room to work with and pick up some people. Uh, some of you had some fan questions about that. We had uh, Adam T uh, Town that asked, "Should we get anybody in free agency?" We also had uh, David uh, Roca who asked about Taylor Hall for the Ducks. Um, so I think that they can go out there and get people. Uh, Taylor Hall is an interesting one. He's he's currently making six million at Arizona, and then he's you know basically done uh, with this season and available, but. You know, I, I don't know if they'd go out and get him for that much. That's the one thing Murray doesn't seem likely to pay uh, for big, you know, name players, big amounts. I, you know, I don't know if he will or not. Um, like we said, he took on Bax's contract, but I'm, I'm not really sure if he'll take on a Taylor Hall type person unless he, you know, got him at a lesser price. But I definitely think that they should look at some of these guys, Eddie. Uh, you mentioned Ryan Miller. He's still up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen with him. He's one of the Ducks UFAs. You also have Delzato, Irwin uh, listed as well. I don't know if both those guys will come back. I, I would think Murray would bring back at least one of them, maybe both. And then you've got your RFAs that you know the Ducks picked up, Milano, uh, Juice, and then also Larson. So I, I, you know, I think he would try to keep those as well. And then there's a whole plethora of UFAs and RFAs that aren't listed on the roster. A uh, bunch of smaller contracts. You know, those will get ironed out. Those don't really affect. Uh, the situation too much because they're they're smaller deals, but obviously you still have to look at those and take those into consideration too, um, as well. So I, I think they could do it. I, I think they could go pick up someone. You know, I don't know if they would. Um, like you were talking about, they had the whole the whole Falk thing that went through. Um, you know, I, I think they might still be interested in a Shattenkirk type player. Uh, remember Derek Grant's on this list, right? He's another one that's supposed to come back. So. I think the Ducks should get some players. They have the room, uh, especially if Bacchus can be bought out under this, you know, 
uh, proposed thing in the uh, athletic article. So I, I would keep an eye on it. You know, everything's in flux. Obviously, you got to figure out the rest of the season. You got to figure out the draft. I mean, it's kind of early to be talking about free agency, but you know, you guys have brought it up, and then this article came up. So that's why we want to spend a little bit of time on it. And I think overall, uh, the Ducks are in a really good position. Eddie, but I think uh, they should maybe try to target a goalie if Miller doesn't come back, uh, unless they're going to rely on who they do have down in the minors, as you talked about, and uh, maybe try to pick up a defenseman uh, in this group um, that they can, uh, you know, add to the blue line that kind of got thin lately. That, that's what I would kind of look at. Is for me, it'd be either defense or goalie would be the spots. Um, obviously, forward we've talked about that. You needed to add an offense, but if they're going to bring back Grant, like they talked about. That'll help out. Obviously, that was um, all before all this craziness happened. But uh, that's where I'm at, Eddie. Uh, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on on who the Ducks should pick up. But I, I definitely think they should try to get a couple players here. Oh, definitely. Uh, Grant's my number one pick. I, I keep I see his name, and I definitely want him back. Um, I, another player, if we didn't get Grant back, that would probably like slot in th- that third line. And this is saying that if we did do that compliance buyout and bought out Bacchus, is that we can get someone like Carl Soderberg from Arizona, I, I, that physical type of player, a Swedish player. I think he'd fit good with the Ducks on that third line. Uh, he, he could, uh, you know, kill power or uh, he'd be on the penalty kill i think he could be effective and he could thrive on the ducks galchenyuk is another one that still young player just has been having a rough time in pittsburgh and minnesota now he just hasn't really panned out maybe uh take a chance on him uh a one-year deal of course nothing more than that and not you know that much money to sign him since he's been having issues maybe you know he gets a fresh start in Anaheim, and and we can milk some good hockey out of him. He has a lot of potential. Um, of course, Petrangelo from St. Louis. That's probably the biggest, one of the biggest names on the list. I, I think since we were so, I think we're lacking like that superstar top defenseman. Um, yeah, Cam Fowler is that top pairing, but the, uh, to solidify like a a superstar defenseman, I think this would be a good route for the Ducks to go on. I'm not sure if St. Louis will have the cap space available to, to retain him. So uh, be looking at his name to be going moving somewhere else unless St. Louis makes some big changes. Um, you'd mentioned, too, about Miller. Yeah, um, Las Vegas Oscar Dantz. Yeah, he stepped in when Vegas had all their goaltending problems, and he shined. He looked like a, a true number one goalie. Yeah, he digressed from there, but I think he still has, you know, some good hockey left and can be a capable backup goalie or a starting goalie in San Diego. Like I said, give Stolarz a run for his money. They can battle it out for that 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 backup spot if Miller decides to retire. And as far as mentioned Taylor Hall, I, I like Taylor Hall. I like that power forward, that physical playness that he brings and that element. Uh, future, He was a future heart winner. Um, he's a great player. I'd love to see him on the Ducks, try him out. But I, I like you said, Mike, I don't think Murray's going to go try to get a player like this. He's listed as making $6 million right now with Arizona, but with everything he's done, with the heart and the points he's been putting up, um, he's going to probably command $9, $10, maybe $11 million per season. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure if the Ducks are willing to pay that. Yeah, that amount of money to get him, but I mean, he'd be a good asset. And finally, we can solidify someone on the left wing, a top line left winger that we've been searching for for like a long time. It seems like, but other than that, I think you know, I, I yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. I, and I hope the Ducks make some bigger changes. And the players that I mentioned would be ones that I would like to see come on the Ducks. 
Another one, too, I know Murray likes to take chances on players, Dustin Bufflin. Uh, I hope that's not the case. I'm not a fan of his, and I don't care if he's wearing a dark uniform. I still probably wouldn't be a fan of his. But that's another name, too. Uh, it seems like a Murray type of deal to me uh, to make for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If they brought in Bufflin, I'd be I'd lose my mind. I just I just remember some of his cheap shots and antics, and it's just like ugh. So you know, I I don't know, but you're right. He may look at him too. So there's the bottom line is there's plenty of names to be floating out and around there. Uh, like I said, it's a little early to talk about free agency, but you know, you guys want to talk about it, so we, we kind of go about it on the show here and talk about some of the numbers and whatnot. And like I said, once this uh, draft and and the season gets figured out. I would hopefully look for the Ducks to pick up some of these players. Again, some of it does depend on what happens with some of the current rostered players as well. So look for that um, you know, in the near future as well. And when that actually does unfold, we'll, we'll probably have more of a bigger discussion of that on a future show. Um, as far as other Duck news, there's been a few other things that happened in the last you know, couple weeks since the last show, Eddie. Not, not big stuff, but little stuff. You know, the, uh, we talked about the online games and whatnot. The Ducks did have one against the Kings. Um, and they had it with some of the uh, legendary players in there, right? They brought back players like Paul Correa, Tamu Solani, Chris Pronger, and the Ducks ended up winning the online game. And, uh, you, you know, it goes back to what we talked about. Some people ask, you know, are we a fan of it and whatnot? I, again, I love what the organization's doing. They're doing all kinds of different games and poll questions. They're doing giveaways on their app now on Tuesdays at noon. Um, they did this, you know, they're, they're doing plenty of stuff. It's just for me, I can't, I can't really get into it too much. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm glad, you know, it was a simulated game. We did beat the Kings. So, you know, that's always a good thing, of course, right? But um, I, I thought the best part, really, of this was Chris Pronger's interview. It was hilarious. He, like, really played the part with the water and the towel, Eddie. That that was the, the part that I liked about that simulated game. Oh, yeah. That was, a, the, that was the most hilarious thing. And Pronger's personality... He's always on, he's posting on Instagram a lot, so it's fun to see him. It's really great to see him having fun with it and giving that, that interaction and making us smile and laugh. It's just fun, especially everyone's quarantined. I'm sure we're all on edge and we're all just, you know, some days are harder than others, but then seeing him just come out like that and just acting like he just came off the shift, it was just awesome and it just made it. it just made it that much enjoyable. I'm not a fan of the simulated games, but I did like how the Ducks are really going out there and, and making sure they're still keeping engaged with their fans and trying to make things as fun as possible. Then Pronger doing that just puts the icing on the cake. It, it's just funny. I was laughing. I'm, I can't see anyone that wasn't laughing about that. So thank you, Pronger, for, uh, for bringing some laughter to us. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, check out his uh, Instagram. He's been going like to town on there. I mean, he's been posting some good stuff on there as well. So if you need some humor or smile, uh, you know, check his IG account out as well. Uh, as far as putting smiles on faces, the Ducks, like I said, have been doing a really good job, right? We've talked about them extending the, the payments uh, to the part-time employees, delaying ticket payments for season ticket holders and whatnot. And they're doing some more stuff. Um, they, they just talked about the players and their significant others. They're now donating meals every day through UCI, which is huge. Uh, another thing going on is the parking lot at Honda Center is being used on Saturdays for the Second Harvest Food Bank. Uh, in the mornings there, which is obviously another good thing. So, you know, they're giving back food in two different uh, areas here. And then uh, you can also get married at Honda Center now. So the city of Anaheim opened that up. Uh, we had we posted one couple that just recently got married there. They were Ducks fans, but you can go there. Uh, you can figure it out through the city of Anaheim, but basically you can get married in the parking lot at Honda Center. So 
some good things there, Eddie. More good news, uh, you know, things that are going on with the Ducks and Honda Center. Oh, yeah, and we posted something on our, our Instagram account. Um, two of our Ducks fans got married, and they posted it with their Ducks jerseys, and they allowed us to repost it on Ducks and Pucks, so thank you and congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Harrow. They got married recently at Honda Center. They posted their uh, Ducks dedication by wearing two matching orange jerseys with the backdrop of Anaheim uh, Honda Center behind it. Um, it was it was cool for a Monday motivation thing. You know, they pretty much made something negative and turned it into a positive. Didn't let the quarantine, you know, kind of get in the way of, of their future plans. So, you know, both of us, I'm sure we both wish them all the best, and hopefully they can just keep that smile and always remember. That you know they got married, and despite all these circumstances, they went above and beyond that and got married and and let love win. So congratulations to them. Um, it, it's cool. I, I like seeing the players get involved and Honda Center allowing the parking lot and facilities be used for things other, like especially the food banks. I know a lot of people are struggling, and it sucks. It's it's, it's heartbreaking seeing what's going on. I know a lot of people have it worse than others. I know a few people that have it worse, so it's just I can empathize with their situation. So, you know, I can thank anyone who's going out there and extending that extra hand, helping out with food, um, donating me. You can't help out a friend. I don't care if you're giving a friend $5 for gas. You're still doing something to help out someone else in need. So I really commend everyone that does that, including, you know, once again, the Ducks organization and their ownership starting from them. They just, you know, they're leading by example and they're just trickling down. And, and I'm glad to see the players jumping into that, and you know, just it's just it's just good to see. And these times right here, we can actually come together. And I always harp on, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. I, I like the the unity that I'm seeing. That's something positive I can take out of this uh, COVID nineteen pandemic. Yeah, I mean a lot of good stuff, a lot of positive stuff coming out of Honda Center and the Ducks. Uh, another thing that you can always count on uh, for a positive moment, a smile is Temu, right? We uh, posted a little video that he did on Instagram. He went in and did the uh, burpee challenge, right? You remember Dallas Aikens issued that out. Uh, Raquel posted the video. Some of the other players posted one. And then <laughs> Temu did his, right? He only had eight to do, which wasn't as difficult. But his video was pretty funny because the dogs got involved, Eddie. And I was, I was really laughing. It seemed like they, they almost kind of got in the way there. But, you know, we posted that. And that was another thing. At least put a smile on people's face. Oh, yeah. The, the, that was his dogs, too. His dogs jumping in was the funniest thing in the world. That was the best part of that video. And, I mean, Solani, like, I think that's the most positive person you can ever. I never seen him upset besides, well, when he's playing hockey, yeah. that's different. But those emotions are, are supposed to be there. But I've never seen him just have a bad interaction, have a bad day, or not have a smile on his face every time you see him. So that's pretty cool. And I'm still working on that burpee challenge. My, my beer league number is 44. <laughs> I, I was so out of shape. So I'm up to 27 right now, burpees. So I'm working my way up to 44, then I can post a video. So I'm not going to sit there and, and do 44 in three hours. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I've been working out a little bit more to work myself up for that. Uh, even though I said I didn't want to do it because it reminds me of a punishment from the Army. And you know what's funny? When I'm, I was doing the burpees at my 27, I started off just doing 20 because that's all I can do. So I'm up to 27 now. But I, I can just hear the drill sergeants and then – my, the back of my head just yelling at us for something that especially something i didn't even do because i want to say 95 percent of the stuff that i got in trouble for it wasn't my fault it was i had to do punishment for someone else's fault and everyone that's been in the military or law enforcement background they know you know you're only strong as your weakest link and if one person screws up everyone gets in trouble so 
yeah, I just I still have that in the back of my mind. But you know what? It, it's fun. It's it gives me something to do. It makes me exercise and it helps me more mentally just to do something physical, get my heart rate up. And even though it sucks when I'm doing it, I feel like a little sense of accomplishment after. So I, I can't wait till I work up to that 44th one so I can post it and actually just do 44 again. That'll be awesome. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Uh, and then Mike, you have your 88. Yeah, so. I, I don't know if I'm going to get to that. <laughs> I, 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 I've been doing them actually though uh, since uh, Dallas Aikens put it out there. I, I've been doing a handful, but I, I yeah, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> you want to you want to change your number now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to cut it in half and just do eight. <laughs> Uh, actually, that's less than half, I guess, right? That would be like one eighth. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's that's tough, man. But I have I have been doing them. I actually have been doing them since that came out. It's actually a good workout when you're at home trying to you know do some things. Uh, you know, when you don't have a gym, like I don't have a gym, so I mean, there's some things you can try to do: push-ups, sit-ups, go for a walk or a run, burpees, right? So some things to to, to keep you occupied. Uh, a couple other things too that are coming up uh, that we're doing as well as uh, you know we talked about the draft earlier in the show and what the league's trying to do. Uh, Thomas has been doing some really good articles on the draft, covering the Ducks. He um, did the 2009 draft. He did the 2010. He's doing a handful of them to look back at the at the draft picks and whatnot. And uh, Eddie, you're gonna do one as well. I'll let you explain it. You're you're gonna do one where you're gonna look at a whole bunch of years, but then combine it down uh, into a couple different teams and whatnot. Yeah, so basically what I'm doing is I'm starting uh, I'm getting uh, starting from 1993 or our first draft ever. I'm getting I, I'm excluding the eight and nine round round picks, so I'm only going to do from seven and up. But I'm starting with the seventh round pick. I'm getting every player that was selected by the Ducks in the seventh round, starting from the 93, 94. So each one of those 27 years drafts they had, I'm getting the every player that was selected in the seventh round. And I'm going to research them, get their stats, and I'm going to put together a starting lineup for each uh, round of the draft. So you're going to have a starting uh, left wing, center, right wing, two defense, and a goalie for you know the seventh round. And then you'll have that same thing, the best uh, starting lineup for the sixth round, and so on. So I've been working on that. It's been doing a lot of research, and I like to write things down as I'm researching them. It helps me retain information better. So I'm not just sitting there and starting to type a fresh article and have to go back. So it's been taking uh, quite a few time, which I have, to research it. But I think it's going to be a fun one. Uh, I like to go back and look at players in the draft. So I'm sure a lot of Ducks fans, too, would like to you know see the history and, and see which players came from which rounds and, and see players that they probably haven't even heard of or players that they've forgotten about. But it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, one one thing I'll leak right now, interesting fact, that the Ducks have never selected a goalie in the first round. So that's the only the little leak I'll give you. And if you guys want to know more, go ahead and read the articles and check out Ducks and Pucks for more info. But I think it's pretty crazy, Mike, that the Ducks never selected a goalie in the first round. That's 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 I, that's something I, I didn't know. Like I was like, okay, you know, it's been a long time, 27 years. You would think that at least one goalie came to mind in the first round, but yeah, I looked it up and no, it's just no goalies in the first round were ever selected. That is pretty crazy. Uh, I didn't know that either. I mean, I, I haven't really looked it up, you know, as thoroughly as you have, or gone back like Thomas has and looked up stuff as well. So that that is interesting. And we will talk a little bit about the draft uh, a little bit later in this segment. We have a fan question on that too, as well. We still have other plenty of other things you guys have brought up, so we're going to work our way through all of them. But uh, 
yeah, I, I, I would be curious to see what would happen. I don't think they'll do it this year uh, as far as picking a goalie in the first round, but we'll, we'll talk about that as we uh, have a fan question uh, later on coming up on that. Another thing I wanted to bring up, too, is that um, you found this out, too, is that uh, Brendan Gooley's brother is eligible uh, for the draft and is ranked eighth uh, amongst North American skaters. So there's something to check out and see where he ends up going. Eddie, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and it was really cool about uh, Brandon Gooley talking about his younger brother. I guess he left when his younger brother was 11. He went to go choose a career in professional hockey. So he didn't really get that that time spent with him. So he's enjoying it now when they're quarantined. They can work out together and, and spend that brotherly quali- quality time that they missed out um, for. And it was a good article written by by the goal staff. So it was a really good article. Um, he talked about how he's going to give him guidance for the draft, but he wants him to kind of you know, get his own path and have his own experiences, not just kind of like, you know, be that much an influence, but he's just going to be, you know, he's pretty much going to be a, a brother to him, a, a big brother. So that was really a, a fun story to read. Uh, check it out. Um, we'll repost it on Ducks and Pucks from the goals. But it was interesting. I, I didn't know his brother was eligible. I didn't even know he had a brother, to be honest. So um, it's cool that he's, he's, he's there kind of mentoring him. And letting him just get his own path to the NHL. It would be kind of cool if the Ducks selected him. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's just something that was something to, to look forward to. Uh, two brothers, I don't know, two sets of brothers. Remember, we had two sets of brothers last time we won the Cup. So uh, maybe it's something, a good luck or, or anything. Who knows? But, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good story. Was, I'm glad they posted it. And I, I found out something new about the Ducks again. A ghoulie has a younger brother. Yeah, and that's another another name to look for in the draft and see where he ends up. Like you said, if he ends up on Anaheim and you have two brothers on there, look out, right? We had the the Niedermeyer brothers from before. I'm not saying that the Ducks automatically win a cup, but hey, you know, you know, it could be a good omen, right? You never know. Um, one other little thing uh, Thomas wanted me to mention. I talked about some of the goalies and some of the players that the Ducks signed on the last show. You can go back and listen to him on there. And we talked about their entry-level contracts and how they're all starting uh, basically next year. Uh, I talked about Dostal. His was listed this year, but his should slide. He is a candidate for that because he didn't play in 10 games, right, uh, in North America. So he's going to uh, also be in that group. So just a little update there just to clarify that on the last show. There was a little bit of confusion when I talked about Dostal. So he'll also start, um, even if obviously the season does somehow get finished miraculously, I doubt he's going to play in 10 games uh, at the end of this year. So it, he should slide over. Just a little kind of housekeeping item from uh, last show. But uh, we'll move along here. A couple other things to talk about before we get to all your fan questions. We've got a, a, a bunch of topics to discuss from you guys, which has been awesome. We appreciate it and everybody listening out there. Um, but uh, another thing that came up, uh, Eddie, you found this. We're talking about TSN. They're talking about what if they had an NHL uh, Most Improved Player Award. So I thought that was interesting if that was something. Because, you know, the other thing that got delayed is the NHL Hockey Awards, right, that take place in Las Vegas. Um, hopefully they're going to have that show too. There hasn't really been an update on that, but obviously it was postponed. It wasn't canceled. So I, I think that's an interesting question. Um, and if you're looking at, you know, putting it towards the ducks, uh, I, I think the one like you were talking about uh, on here was uh, Ryan Getzoff. I like, I, I think he's, um, you know, did really well this season. You know, I mean, obviously last year was kind of a whatever season, but if you're talking about one that's been really improved, you're talking about Anaheim, um, that's one that I would really look at, uh, and I think it's uh, an award that maybe maybe they should consider adding. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. The, the most improved player, I think, uh, players that have a down season and come back and thrive, I think that's something special and should be celebrated. Not like a participation, good job. No, it's something, you know, obviously they worked hard and, and on the off season they pretty much sacrificed their summer just to get, you know, get better. And I think they should be, you know, kind of rewarded for that. You know, to to jump back up. You know, it's hard to to climb out of a hole when you're when you're down so deep. Um, one player too that just came to mind right now I wanted to mention was Josh Manson. I, I think he steadily improved last season from the season before that. Noticeably, a different player brought that more physical type uh, back to his game. Uh, fortunately, he got injured, but he, I think he was having a, a way better season than he did the season before. Um, another one too, Mike. I, I I talked about this before. I talked about to Dan Wood about this, and he didn't think it, it'd be a good idea. But I think they should bring like a, a like a playmaker award uh, to the NHL. Uh, a, a primary, not secondary, like a strictly primary uh, assist award. I think you know to make a perfect play is really hard. Um, I'm not a good passer at all. I, I'm, I'm a better shooter than I'm a passer. And I, I've been trying to practice when I played hockey when, before quarantine to get better at passing because I think it's one of those skills that, you know, I think sometimes it's a little better than, than scoring. I've scored so much in my life where if I make a, a, a perfect pass or just a solid pass, I kind of just take that to heart a little bit more it's just because it's a little bit more crafty. Uh, I think the NHL should bring something like that. Uh, I think it'd be fun. Uh, a lot of these playmakers, you know, deserve some more recognition for the things that they do. Um, I'm sorry for the Ducks fans that are upset right now. I was just thinking of Getzloff drop passes. I'm not talking about those kind of passes. <laughs> I'm just talking about, you know, solid p- passes to, you know, pretty much, you know, those playmakers that make it so easy where, you know, Joe Blow, nobody could be in front of a an, an NHL goalie and score with some of these playmakers of putting the puck right on your stick. Yeah, I, I agree. I think some of those awards would be things to look at. You know, having a most improved player and then having someone as a playmaker award. It's always good to add some more. I, I always felt the award show was kind of short on and how many awards they gave out and that they could always make room for a couple more. So, um, you know, it's definitely something to consider. And I, I think it's funny when you talk about Getzloff because you get all kinds of different opinions. Uh, some people are like, nah, you know, he's not doing as well or he's not the playmaker he was and yada, yada, yada. But it's kind of interesting because you listened to the John Scott podcast recently, and he was talking about Getzloff not being Hall of Fame material. And I thought that was kind of interesting, uh, you know, and I think some of you out there may debate this. Some of you may say yes, and some of you may say no. Um, But, you know, I, I look at it. I mean, yeah, he won the Stanley Cup early in the career. Granted, that was a team led by Pronger and Niedermeyer and, and Solani and Jaguar and all these other players. He wasn't the, you know, obviously it wasn't his team, quote unquote, back then, right? Because obviously he wasn't the captain. He was new in the league. But, I mean, if you look at his stats, I, I mean, he's been in the league 15 years. He's played just over 1,000 games, and he has almost 1,000 points. Uh, I mean, it's not like he's any slouch, you know, 274 goals and 691 assists. So... That's, I think, a good topic. I might have to put out a fan poll and see what people think about it, Eddie, as far as him being a Hall of Famer. I mean, I would think that he would get over a 1,000 points. He's got at least one more year with the Ducks. I, I mean, I, I think he can get 35 points, obviously. Um, he, he hasn't had a season less than that. Even in back in 2005, 2006, he had 39 points. So uh, I, I think that he could still be one of those to be considered for it. But 
Now, what do you think? I mean, you listen to John Scott and what he said. Uh, you think it's a point thing, or do you think maybe he needs to win another cup, or what? What would make it, you know, a better candidate for him to to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Yeah, uh, his segment was doing a Hall of Fame or not, uh, and he brought up some of the points you mentioned too. I think another Stanley Cup would definitely solidify if he doesn't reach that one thousand point mark. I personally think that he's Hall of Fame material. He's carried this team. Uh, even at his darkest time, he's still been that that above average kind of player and, and been that that leader, uh, one of the best captains in the league. Uh, yeah, I know that, you know it, it's not for that, but I think that should be taken into consideration too because his off ice and on ice captaincy, he, he just you know he, he's just a hard worker. He tries his you know 110 percent for the team, and you know he's, he's almost to a thousand points. He had a long career. I think right now, as of right now, I think he he deserves it, and maybe it's me a little bit biased toward uh, being a Ducks fan and being a fan of Getzoff, but I think his contributions on ice and his his play just definitely warranted it. Uh, maybe you know, like you said, that wasn't his team when he won the cup; he was still new. Uh, maybe him solidifying a cup while he's the captain and being that top line center. Maybe that might get him some recognition. Um, I'm not sure if there's more of a, a West Coast bias. You know, a lot of the teams, Ducks, Kings, Sharks players over here, they don't really get that much recognition like you are, say, if you're a Chicago team or one of the East Coast teams that you'll see players that are probably much on the same skill level, but they get a little bit more praise. So um, I would have to disagree with them of the Hall of Fame or not. I would definitely say that Getzoff is Hall of Fame material. Right now, too, like not just if he gets a thousand points or he gets another cup. I think he's definitely Hall of Fame material. Yeah, it'll be a good point. We'll probably do a poll question and see what people think. I, I'm with you too on that. So, another thing uh, to debate, uh, we did talk a little bit about this on some of the other shows, has been uh, ideas for different Ducks jerseys and what they could do. There's no word that they're going to switch anytime soon. But we had a lot of uh, you know fan discussion recently about different jerseys. Uh, particularly, I was talking to Lucas. He's on Twitter at uh, LD Concepts. I saw one that he had posted. Uh, it was a Raquel jersey. Uh, going back old school, as, as Eddie and I talked about, and also, like I mentioned, George wrote in his article, uh, if the Ducks would go back to the Mighty Ducks logo for their primary jerseys, or would they you know, maybe use them in a third jersey again, but in a different kind of format uh, as opposed to what the current orange one is. And so Lucas posted uh, a, a green one. Didn't really get you know too much fanfare on Twitter. Um, and he, he and I started talking. And he had another one that had the purple and the white, kind of similar to the original ones back in 1993. Uh, obviously, he did some little changes on there. He made the lines more straight uh, and whatnot. And we're going to post these images, too, when we, um, in an article uh, and a couple different things online, so you guys can look at them and probably do a fan vote and whatnot. But he really got a lot of attention with the the purple and the white one. It was on Twitter. If you didn't see it, we retweeted it again. You can check at uh, um, Twitter. It's going to be at LD Concepts. He also does for a whole bunch of other teams as well, not just the Ducks. But but this one really got a lot of attention. It's one I really like. So I wanted to mention that one. Have people check it out and see. Um, there's a couple others on here that are, are good as well. We had one we've talked about in the past, uh, KP8Design. He also did the original logos, but he kind of used the style that the Ducks had back then and switched it up and did the newer colors. Uh, he had a, a more white and orange jersey and a black and orange jersey. Another one that I liked a lot and a lot of fans liked as well. Um, and, and then we had another similar one to that. 
Um, by DT Concepts, it, it was also a black and orange jersey and then a white jersey, but the white had more black to it. And like I said, we'll, we'll post these so you can see what we're talking about. Obviously, it's kind of hard uh, o- over the uh, the air, basically. But they they all are like similar to the original jersey, except with the Mighty Ducks logo in new colors. Those are what those two guys came up with. And then we had a couple guys that did kind of color rush jer- jerseys. Uh, we had Dylan Nowak Art that did one and E Dunkel Designs. These two I really I didn't like. Nothing against these guys. I mean the the design looks good. I just don't. The, it's like super bright orange with green and I don't know. It just kind of it looks at my eye kind of weird. But a lot of good jersey discussion, Eddie. Um, like I said, I know you'll post some of these when we do a clips from the. Uh, the podcast and then we'll have the, you know the images posted on social media and you can see exactly what we're talking about and we'll, we'll let you guys kind of uh, you know throw out your two cents on it and maybe we'll have some kind of a, a fan vote or, or kind of like a little contest involving these jerseys uh, what do you think eddie about some of these designs that have been thrown out there recently well that kp8 design one has been a fan favorite i remember we had a, a jersey a fan vote on which the best Ducks jersey uh, and we added this concept because he just barely brought that out and it was getting a lot of heat people liked it and this actually being uh, out of all the Ducks jerseys that they have this one came out as number one of the fans liking the most um, I, I like this design a lot it, it's really clean it, it's it, it brings up like that that note that new school like flair but with the old school attitude adding that old school Mighty Ducks logo I do like these a lot um, and then the other one that is similar to it, uh, I do like the white one more because it added more black on the bottom and added a little bit more orange to the collar. And the, 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 the orange stripes make it pop more. And yeah, well, we'll post these as we're talking about them too. So when we post our, our audiogram up, we'll uh, talk about these jerseys and we'll have them too for you guys. Um, Lucas's design was something that was totally just different. The, the white and the eggplant color one but i like them a lot they came out really clean a lot of fans like them um good job on these designs they really look great um this is the kind of jersey the eggplant one i would not want to see as a primary one because it's so beautiful looking i wouldn't want to be like see that all the time it's i want to see it at special occasions like an like an like alternate third jersey would be cool it would be great just to see it 10 11 times a season and just not get tired of it but it, these are beautifully made jerseys and this is something definitely that i would spend money on on either design obviously i like the, the eggplant one a little bit more eggplant color one more but i think these designs are really what the fans want and i, I really hope the ducks uh would try to transition to give the fans something they want and you know at least to get the spill back a retro you don't have to do anything with it just get back the old school colors but this design that he did I, I liked it a lot really great really great work um it's just so beautifully done yeah i, I like lucas's too I, I especially the white and purple i would buy those in a heartbeat you know I, I think they look great uh great retro look so it's just something we've been discussing lately there's no like official you know anything about them changing but you know they're going to change the jersey down the road again sometime right so there'll, there'll be something coming but uh, you know, maybe they'll look at these and maybe they'll consider them. So it's just something to talk about, and we'll have some more articles on them and or at least social media posts or whatnot, so you guys can look at them and you know you guys can weigh your opinions and tell us what you think. Um, we have a couple more fan questions uh, that we'll handle, and then once we do those, we'll uh, wrap up with some other hockey news to finish out the show. Um, digging into these, we had a lot of questions from Instagram. We appreciate all of your uh, responses. We had. Uh, 
Brian Xbox, uh, he asked, uh, you know, how do you think Zegras will pan out with the current coaching staff? And I don't think it's going to be a problem, Eddie. Uh, I think with the way the current staff is now, not so much old school, more of one that's kind of into this mentoring thing and, and more connected with the youth, I think he'll do fine. I mean, honestly, you know, looking at all the uh, the young guys we have now, I mean, I'm still really excited about Max Comtois. You and I have talked about that, but I'm excited for Zegris. You know, he signed his entry-level contract, as we talked about in the last show. And I think he's going to do really well with this Ducks team. Uh, you know, if it's not full-time next season, but, you know, down the road, whenever he starts, uh, you know, officially getting going. But, I mean, I'm really I'm really big on this guy. I'm looking forward to how he, he pans out. And I think he'll do well with this coaching staff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess that coaching staff isn't, uh, especially Aikens, he's not – as a shut the hell up and do what I say kind of coach, he's more of a mentor. He's not your friend. He's still an authoritarian authoritarian figure, but he's more just you know he wants to get the best out of you, and he understands that in today's society and youth, they don't respond to what things that old school players might respond to. Um, you know, some players have different personalities, and some players don't react to that. I'm the type of person you can scream in my face, and I'll, I seem to react more to that. I, I don't get offended by it. It's not going to hurt my feelings. I was in the army. Trust me. I've you know I would serve with guys where uh, it, it's sad to say, but they're getting screamed at and they're sitting there crying. I'm like, dude, what are you doing in basic training if you can't get someone yelling at you? But I understand that it's a different society and and how things are done these days. I'm not that old. I, I feel like I'm old. I'm only in my my early thirties. But I just, you know, you have to just be a little bit more patient with, with the youth today. And I think the same coaching staff, uh, they have that same goal down in San Diego and to kind of make the transition easy. They're, they're kind of similar in coaching styles and staff. So when you do get that call up, it's not going to be a culture shock where you're learning something completely new. It's going to be kind of the same routine, just a little different coach teaching it. Um, I think he'll do great. I think he'll do great as is, um, and all of our other rookies that are going to come up and either uh, play for San Diego, they're going to have to thrive down there in their system, and when they get called up for the Ducks, it's going to be that easy transition. Yeah, you still have to come and prove yourself, but it's not going to be like, hey, you make one mistake, bye, you're done. Getting screamed at like that, it's going to be like, hey, well, here's what you did wrong. I want to see you do this next time, and they're going to see if you can bounce back and you can retain the information and you can go out there and better yourself and, and learn from your mistakes. And the most important thing that I was always taught is, you know, once you make a mistake, try your hardest never to make that same mistake twice. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything you said, and I, I think he's definitely one to watch. And, you know, we had another fan question, too, kind of kind of similar, I guess, also talking about, like, the prospect pool and whatnot. Uh, it was T Dizzle underscore 9, and he talks about, you know, do we, the Ducks, have the best farm system in the Pacific? And I, I think it's an interesting question because, as I always talk about this, uh, you know, every fan of their team feels their prospects are the best so we're always like oh yeah we got this guy and that guy and you know this guy's a superstar and this guy is you know gonna be an mvp and etc cetera, etc cetera. and then you know as we talk about sometimes that does happen and sometimes it doesn't but uh i don't really look at the other teams so much uh so it's hard to say i, I mean i look at the ducks and I, i'm really you know steel terry jones uh, we've talked about Comtois, and now uh, Zegers added into the mix. And there's there's a laundry list. There's a bunch of great players in there. So I think the Ducks do have a really good farm system. As far as the best in the Pacific, I don't know. I don't study the other teams as much. Um, but I, I think uh, Eddie, you have some insight on this. You, you were you were reading some of the articles on the Athletic, uh, what they thought. Um, I, I think the Ducks are up there. If they're not number one, they're definitely one of the best in the Pacific. 
Yeah, well, uh, I read Scott Wheeler's article in The Athletic, and I also read another one that that, conf- that said the same thing. I totally forgot what outlet. I'm not going to just try to speculate. But uh, I, I want to agree with Tim. Unfortunately, it's not going to be the Ducks in the Pacific. It, it's going to be the, the Los Angeles Kings. I'm sorry to say that. I feel sick to my stomach. <laughs> I'm probably going to throw up a little bit later. But, um, like, they have a, a, like 23 different players, and a lot of them have the uh, potential to be – you know, future NHLers with the pool they have, leading with the Alex Turcott. Um, he's a really great, versatile forward. Uh, he can either be that first line center or solidify a second line spot. He's looking to do some damage. They have a Kilioff, is a was described as a d- dynamic scorer. Um, he's one of the second best scoring prospects. A great shot, and then it goes down from there. They just seem like they have more of uh, more NHL ready players that can contribute more than the Ducks do right now. Uh, not saying the Ducks have bad ones because they have a lot of good prospects, and you never know what these. You can have Turcotte just be a bust. You can have someone like Zegers be a bust, and then have someone that was a Joe Blow nobody drafted in the seventh round come up and just start tearing it up. So these things are still uh, one of those things. But basically, um, reading his article, he's really in-depth. He goes through every single team. The Ducks are ranked number six, by the way, on his thing. And he breaks it down really well, and he puts a lot of work into it. Um, I read uh, the Ducks portion, I read the Avalanche portion, I read the Sharks portion, I read the Hurricanes portion. So it just, I, I you know, I, I'm not really big on the prospect pool. I don't really dive too deep into that. That's more Thomas's expertise, our subject matter expert on that. But it was good to, a uh, good question. Thank you for asking it. It made me kind of just dig deep and kept me up a few more hours last night too, just reading more and more of these articles. But I'd have to agree with them saying the Ducks don't have the best in the Pacific. But they do have the best in the, um, or no, uh, the oh, it's not number one in Pacific, but they do uh, number two. Um, his ranking of sixth, I, I maybe disagree with it. I think the Ducks are a little bit higher in their prospect pool ranking, so that's one thing I have to disagree with. I'll have to go and read, you know, the other ones, the ranking three, four, and five things, etc., and see um, which other teams, and I can just move from there. But uh, yeah, I want to say, uh, I just want to say. Um, yeah, his one, you know, great article, and I have to agree with them saying, unfortunately, it's going to be the Kings. But you know what? As, as long as the Ducks are just right there behind them sniffing, it's not like Ducks and Kings are right there, and then, you know, or Ducks and Sharks are right there, and stupid freaking whatever are last. So, I mean, we still have some talent. We still have a lot of potential. And like I said, you can have Joe Blow, Mr. Six, Seventh Round Pick, come up and be your next superstar. You never know. So, it was a good read, and like I said, it's, it's free for The Athletic. I'm not trying to sell you on it. Keep reading our stuff, too. Ours is free. Um, but, yeah, it was just a good a good tool to use. I have the time to actually dive down and see these prospects. So it was actually cool to, to actually get to know other teams' prospects and stuff like that so I have a little bit more you know, expertise in my belt. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with you. And I think if we maybe we'll hit up Thomas and have him write up one comparing the other teams if he wants to do that. But, yeah, I usually defer to him. He really is on it when it comes to uh, the draft and prospects and whatnot. So um, I'd I'd go with what Scott Wheeler says, too. If he says the Kings is the best one, then it probably is. But I know the Ducks is pretty good. So, you know, if we're not number one, I still think we have a strong um, farm system, uh, like I said from before. So uh, we'll look for those younger players to come up and see how they do next season, which is another question we had from S.Elder67. He asked, do you think the Ducks will be better next season? And he also talks about when will hockey come back, which we kind of talked about. We said that they're trying to get the season back in July, 
but we don't know you know 100% obviously we talked about that all in the beginning segment of the show but as far as the ducks are concerned and them being better next season i do think they will be better next season um i i think with this youth that's coming in we'll see what happens at obviously the draft whenever that does unfold but I think this team is going to be in a better position next year. Um, you have Dallas Akins has a full year under his belt, even if you know those last uh, 10, 11 games aren't finished or whatever. He still basically has a whole full season now, uh, I, would, I would consider, uh, NHL experience. I think he's gotten a little bit better. We've been hard on him a couple times on the show. He's made some little questionable calls here or there, but overall we like the job that he's done. And... The Ducks have tried to do some things. They've tried to make some moves. Uh, I think part of this we'll have to revisit uh, after the free agency as well, like we talked about, to see if the Ducks are going to go after some of those players. As we mentioned, you know, if they get Derek Grant back, as we said, I think would help. If they pick up a defenseman, as we talked about, we, we mentioned the whole Falk and, and Shatterkirk things that they tried to do. Um, and some of the names that are also out there on that list, there's some big names in free agency this summer. So I think they can do better. And I think if they can pick up you know, my my biggest concern is the defense. If they can pick up a solid defenseman, a top four guy, whether they trade or do something in free agency, I think that'll really help this team even more. But I, overall, I do think the team will be better next season. Oh, I definitely have to agree with you there. And you know, we talked on previous shows, too, about our prediction, our timeline of the Ducks, when they're going to be able to compete again. Uh, and be that physical threat. And I think the timeline shows that if they, have, they can progress upward and, and they can reach that goal. Um, I liked what I saw from last year's squad. A definitely big improvement from the squad before that. Uh, it just, yeah, you know, they still were in the bottom of the barrel. But, you know, we saw flashes of greatness. We have a lot of our youth that were plugged in and given more, uh, you know, opportunity and given more, you know, chances to, to go out there and prove themselves. Um I think they're doing fine. You saw flashes of greatness from them too. They they went, you know, even though they weren't putting up points like crazy, you can just see the hustle, the speed, and that that no no quit mentality from a lot of the youth. And I like to see that uh, they have, you know, that that hockey experience under their belt. They have that NHL experience under them already. They got their feet wet. You know, I mean, just just think of this. I want to use this as an analogy that. You know, when you're a little kid and you want to go swimming, but you don't want to jump right in the pool because it's really cold, you just stick your feet in there and slowly get in. I think that's the best way to describe what our youth are doing. They, they get their feet wet. It's hard to just jump in that water knowing how cold it's going to be, unless you're rich and have a heated pool, but that's under discussion. But no, but like I was saying back on track, I think it's going to be a better season for a lot of our, our youth, and you'll see players like Troy Terry, Max Comtois, um, just step up and elevate their game a little bit more. They already have their feet warm. It's time to just get back in the pool and start swimming those laps and to, to you know thrive up. Ducks have a lot faster, so if we could just plug in some needed you know players via free agency, uh, especially on defense, and hopefully, knock on wood, we don't get that injury bug. We had it for a few seasons. Hopefully, we can get a break from that. I definitely think that we can be uh, even a hell of a lot better team than we were last season. But to answer your question, it's definitely going to improve next season. I, I agree. It should be a fun season whenever whenever this season finishes, if it does, and, and whatnot. Like we said, so many things are in flux right now, but uh, I'm definitely excited to see what will happen with the team next year. Um, uh, whenever that unfolds we'll take one more question here uh draft related we have uh, also from uh instagram we have clancy schreiber asks if the ducks get the third overall pick 
who should they take? Uh, again, right, we don't know exactly how the draft order is going to work, uh, you know, depending on how the season shakes out. But for me, it's the one my one choice that we talked about because Murray alluded to this player at the um, hockey hot stove that he had is uh, Quinton Byfield. That's the one that I keep looking at. He's the guy that different scouting reports are saying he looks like Malkin. Uh, you know, he's, he's a big kid, 6'4", 215 pounds, good speed, good skill, quick hands, can score, uh, long reach, etc. That's the guy that I, I, I really want the Ducks to try to get. That That's like my guy that I want. It's it's one that um, Eddie and I talked about when we, we talked about that show uh, regarding Murray and his comments. Uh, that That's my one guy. There's a couple others out there, and I'll let you talk about them, Eddie, that are, are ones that would be uh, good picks as two, but um, Byfield would be my number one choice. No, yeah. If we can get Byfield, if we do get that that top that third round pick, which you specifically asked, um, then yeah, I would say grab him. I think he dropped in the draft too because his World Junior performance wasn't so solid. Um, another one that I, I read was a Tim Stutzel, a six one hundred eighty pound German. Um, if if we did get that third pick and Byfield wasn't available, then I would definitely go for him. Um, he's the, the top European skater, described as an exciting player to watch with quick hands. Uh, they compared him to Patrick Kane. Another media site compared him to Dreisaitl. I know it's totally 180 from Patrick Kane, but just to be compared to those type of players, then definitely want to see what he can bring. Um, he's been playing in the Dow League, 34 points in 41 games. So um, he's a playmaker. I know a lot of Ducks fans aren't going to like that. Um but, you know, um, I, I think he'd be a, a really a top player to bring in at, at, at the third overall if we did get that high. I hope we do. I'm still hoping that it's that lottery will drop in our favor and we'll get number one overall because that would be cool. I'm hockey Godzilla, so get all these injuries, right? <laughs> um, I want to throw in there if we do drop. I think we're probably if, – if they went in order, I think we're like fifth or sixth pick. Uh, if they went into the order and not the little lottery draft. Uh, Jamie Drysdale uh, I think would be a good fit for the Ducks too. A right shot defenseman with top pairing capabilities can play on, play on the power play. Um, he's uh, he's managing a point per game, nearly a point per game. He has 47 points in 49 games. And I read too, he's a comparison to Kale McCarr. Now if you guys don't know Kale McCarr, definitely look him up. He's uh, the Avalanche's fourth overall pick. He was slotted in as a playoff game after he finished his college You know, last year. He came in and scored his first goal. Uh, he's been a dominant force. He's my favorite to win the Calder. Uh, 53 points, I believe, he has in his rookie season. And just controlling the blue line. So if we can get a, a defenseman like that to plug in, and we can have a, you know, a top potential superstar defenseman, at, at that lower pick, and I think that would be another one if the Ducks don't get in that top five or, or within that five or six range. I think he'd be another one. But we'll definitely, once the draft comes up, we'll go into more detail. Thank you for the question. Um, and Instagram, too, I want to thank you guys. You guys are really on it a lot. Uh, you guys have a lot of questions, and you guys you know, pretty much give us content to talk about. So I definitely want to thank you. And we did a poll about if you want to see us do an Instagram live show with Mike and myself and like 98% said yes. So we're going to work out the details and we're definitely going to bring that soon. So um, yeah, we'll post it and keep you guys updated. We'll find a date and time that works for us and we'll jump on there live. So you guys can uh, see our pretty mugs and see what we're drinking in person and actually kind of talk to us kind of not face to face, but like semi face to face. So yeah, 
Thank you again, guys. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Like you said, Instagram is doing pretty good. We're, we're just shy of 10,000. So tell your friends, <laughs> get us that 10,000 mark. It gives us some extra features that we can do on Instagram that we can bring to you guys. So, But yes, we appreciate it. Get a lot of good feedback from Instagram over the last month uh, while this COVID-19 nonsense has been going on. Um, just to add a little bit more to what Eddie uh, talked about, uh, we do have a new writer, uh, Logan. Uh, welcome him aboard. He's going to write, an, or actually he has written an article on Drysdale. So look for that. I'm going to post that in the next uh, day or two to go in a little bit more depth on him. As Eddie said, we'll have more uh, coverage as we figure out when this draft does happen. Another name that I would look uh, to keep an eye on is Alexander Holtz, uh, a Sweden uh, player. Of course, you know how Bob likes all his Swedish guys, right? But uh, another a skilled player. They're saying that's a true goal scorer, great shot, good on-ice vision. Another name to look for if the Ducks do you know, get one of those top five picks as we're talking about. Uh, just something to you know, keep your eye on. We'll probably have a little bit more written up on him as well. But just another name to throw out there for you guys uh, as one that, hey, you know, watch out and see where he goes. I expect him to go pretty high in the draft as well. So those are some names to check out uh, as we've talked about. And uh, like we said, we'll go into more depth as um, you know the draft comes and of course free agency when all that stuff gets figured out so uh, with that we're gonna go to the last uh, segment and wrap up the show with you know our basically our other hockey news we have some stuff um, with some of the other leagues around the world uh, plus there's some retirement news in the NHL and uh, I'll let Eddie uh, take it away cool well the first news is uh, we're gonna bring you from the KHL Bill Peters was named head coach of a KHL team if you guys don't remember him, he's infamous for using the racial slurs. Um, Akeem Alou came out and you know pretty much told the story about what he had to go through under Peters. He was subsequently fired. Um, yeah, I guess they're giving him a second chance in uh, the KHL. And it was actually recommended by Pavel Datsuk, who's currently playing for the team. Um, uh, Alou, uh, he po- posted a quote stating that he believes hockey is for all and believes in second chances. I wanted to share this. Um, yeah, it's really unfortunate and it was disgusting hearing the, the racial stuff that uh, Alou had to go through and, and what Peter said. But I, I like the fact that you know he embraces the ho- hockey. I think hockey is about you making mistakes and, and getting those second chances, you know. And some people were raised differently. Um, some people, you know, just can actually grow up no matter how old you are you can grow into something better and better yourself and uh, for for me yeah you know i'm glad that bill peters gets this this chance to redeem him not really redeem himself but kind of just be a a better person and and hopefully you know he took some time to reflect on himself and hopefully he's a changed person from i believe people can change even the worst of us um you know it's just it's not always you know the best situations and he's still infamous and it still rubs people the wrong way but if if the player that had to endure the you know being you know being you know having the, all those racial slurs toward him he can sit there and and pretty much forgive him and believe in a second chance and and you a quote after he heard he got hired then i respect that a lot you know he, he could have went up there and said oh no that's a bad choice you shouldn't do it but no i think you know they had maybe off ice discuss or off you know the, the line discussions and they both had to sit there and talk and hopefully this this translates to a really big change in his life and hopefully with his family and he just is a different person and he can influence other people to, to make that change so i wish both of them the best of luck um as far as that uh, some other uh, really really good news too we're going to talk about 
the National Women's Hockey League is getting an expansion. They're going to have their uh, first team in Canada. It's going to be in Toronto, and their roster player are going to start with five uh, connected players from Toronto. I think this is a huge step for women's hockey, especially playing in Canada because Canada hockey's like God over there. I definitely should be living in Canada the way I worship hockey. But um, I think this is a really good step forward. Um, I'm going to start trying to watch a few more of the women's games too. So, um, yeah, to get some more insight and we can talk more about it on the show and we can help just promote it. Yeah, I think it's huge, Eddie. I mean, we talked about the game that they had at Honda Center with uh, the U.S. and Canadian teams. And, right, it was like the biggest crowd record setting and all this stuff. And you're talking about Honda Center in Anaheim, right? Small, you know, market city, basically. So for them to have this out there in Toronto is huge. And I, I don't care what anybody says. I, I like watching women's hockey. I, I think it's exciting and it's fun. So it's a good thing, and I'm glad to see the sport, you know, keeps on getting bigger and bigger. I mean, that's that's the main goal here, right, is to, to keep it expanding. And we've seen it expand across the West Coast in the last couple of decades of the United States, and now we're seeing the women's um, version of it, you know, getting even more popular. So it, it's a good thing overall, Eddie. I, I, I really am looking forward to it. And um, it's just, it's a good thing. So, you know, anything that, that strengthens hockey in general is a positive. Oh, definitely. And, you know, hockey's one big happy family. And like they said, hockey's for everyone. And I'm glad. And I watched that. I still remember that uh, watching that women's game. I wrote an article on it for my school's paper that got published uh, when they won the gold. It was just so fun to watch. And then the All-Star game, it made it enjoyable. I actually watched that that three-on-three competition. It was just some fierce hockey. And that, that Canadian goaltender was, holy crap, what the saves that she was making. It was just really fun. And I'm... I'm I'm glad to see the game grow and we can touch more fan bases. You'll have you know, young girls growing up. Now they can, you know, in Canada, they have a team to watch. Instead of just watching, you know, men's hockey, they have idols that they can look up to and, and say, hey, look, I can be like that. And we can find a potential superstar out of that pool. It just keeps this, this game growing. That's all that matters. The game just keeps expanding, keeps growing. And I, I think it's, like I said, the best sport in the whole entire universe and the more people that can watch the better and they get hooked and fall in love i mean you can never have too many hockey fans <coughs> except if you're the wild or the kings <laughs> uh for the burglary and under the influence so i'm not sure if um you know if they had interactions when you know in the jail to help them but he said that he has no animosity toward weiss and he wants him to get better and if he wants to help, that he's willing to help him. So that was a, a pretty good story. It's kind of heartbreaking to see how drugs can just tear you down. And, and, and you know, a, a, a person that had so much potential and opportunity being an actor as big as he was at that time. And it's it just the sky was the limit for him. But drugs just overcame you. It's just unfortunate how, how drugs have that impact. But I'm glad that he's getting the help he needs. And if you guys have anyone suffering from that, um, you know, there's hope. There's there's places you can take them and just be supportive and help them. And if if you guys seen his you know mugshot from January, it looked like it was a lost cause, but he's doing a lot better. So I wish him all the best. As far uh, moving on, some sad news. Now we have to report Edmonton Oilers Kobe Cave passed away. Um, he had a cyst putting pressure on his brain. He was put in a medical induced coma. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't make it. It's heartbreaking uh, seeing his wife post on Instagram. 
Uh, he was an undrafted free agent that started off with the Bruins, ended up playing with the Oilers. He played in 67 games and currently uh, spent most of the time with the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, it's just uh, an overall sad situation uh, for the family, for his teammates, uh, to work that hard being undrafted and making it to the NHL. It's just unfortunate at such a young age, passed away at 25. Um, my, my thoughts and continuous prayers are out for his family and his friends, and I'm pretty sure it's not an easy time, especially in this day and age where you might not have the luxury to get that final closure with family and friends because of the COVID-19 situations, but it's just one of those things you have to just look up and, and take life, you know, don't take life for granted and live each day like it's your last, so uh, we send our, our thoughts and prayers out to him. Yeah, you know, the thing that came out of this that was amazing to me, Eddie, was just seeing the line of cars uh, in Canada that they had, you know, just lined up basically honoring him. Like you said, you can't really have like a, a funeral anymore, right? Uh, with a bunch of people around because of the social distancing and all that kind of stuff. But the amount of people that showed up, the videos that were posted on social media and the outpouring and stuff was uh, amazing. And like you talked about, all you know, all the other teams um, that were making comments on social media, chiming in as well. And, um, you know, it's just a, it obviously it's sad what happened. Um, but the response, you know, it, it was good to see. I, I mean, you don't you don't want to have to have that happen. But um, you know, and like you said, we we send out our condolences too, and um, just really happy to see all the teams rally around and all the fan support that they had out there for him was uh, simply uh, just amazing. Oh, definitely. It's just like I said, hockey brings everyone together. It doesn't matter what team you cheer for, who you are. You can always just step back and you know pull your jersey off and just you know send your condolences and really be you know thoughtful for everyone else and like i said we're one big hockey family and i'm proud to be a part of it and like i said just continuous thoughts and prayers for his family uh, uh moving on to the winnipeg jets the dustin bufflin saga has finally come to an end as they both agreed for a mutual contract termination uh, he had that drama where he went to training camp, then he just stopped coming, and they suspended him. Then he ended up having an ankle surgery. It's just a big old, I don't know what's going on over there. Um, but it finally came to an end. He He's free to sign um, wherever he wants. Um, I mentioned I, you know, his wife on social media uh, has, like, uh, some, like, I think uh, Minnesota is part of her little, like, location. Not sure if she's from there. Uh, I think that's a possible destination for him. I might be reading into things a little bit more, but I remember when uh, JT Brown's wife posted something about Minnesota, and I, I mentioned it like, oh, he might be going to Minnesota. People were like, oh, no, all because his wife posted about Minnesota doesn't mean you're wrong. And what did he do? He signed with Minnesota. <laughs> so I, I usually look at little things like that. Um, I know it seems like a Murray kind of move to try to bring him into the Ducks. I, I, I wouldn't want that. I don't like the way... It went down in Minnesota, or in Winnipeg. I don't know if there's anything more that hasn't been, you know, came to light. Uh, but just to kind of, you know, to pretty much leave your team, at, you know, when you come to training camp, you know, it's just that kind of rubs me the wrong way. You have to be a professional about things. He is leaving $14 million on the table from this mutual contract termination. Uh, one positive thing, too, and classy thing the Jets did, regardless of how bad things ended up or how ugly it got, they still sent him a tribute goodbye video. So that's a good classy thing for them to do. Yeah, I agree. I think the tribute video by the team was a nice touch, you know, regardless of the circumstances behind the whole thing. You know, we don't know the full details, as you mentioned. But 
obviously some things didn't work out because uh, you know they ended up uh, canceling his uh, contract and whatnot. But uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't want him to come to Anaheim. Uh, I I'd rather the Ducks try and you know do a Falk or Shattenkirk type player instead of him if they're going to look at defense. Uh, you know, uh, I, I just I don't know. I just don't see him being the kind of guy that that they should go after. Um, especially with his personality and stuff and then how much he would cost as well. So there's a lot of reasons why I wouldn't bring him. But you're right. you got to look at those little hints online. Uh, sometimes little things pop up and you'll see them and then it happens. Uh, you know, when you're talking about looking at the little hints about the wild. So maybe there's something to that. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up going. But I, I definitely hope he doesn't come to Anaheim. Definitely. Uh, moving on, we'll talk about the Blue Jackets. Uh, they they recently signed, but they didn't sign uh, uh, Mikhail Grigorenko. I butchered his first name. My bad. Oh well. Um, th- yeah, I guess they announced that it was a one year deal worth one point two million dollars. Uh, Twenty five year old was selected twelfth overall in twenty twelve by the Sabers. He didn't really reach his potential with the Sabers, and he was part of the Ryan O'Reilly deal that sent Ryan O'Reilly to the Sabers, and he went to the Avalanche. He still wasn't really. A big factor in Colorado and ended up signing with the KHL. Um, he's been having success over there. He scored uh, 52 points in 55 games last season and leads the league with playoff goals before it got stopped with 13. Um, the NHL rejected this uh, due to a misunderstanding with regards to the filing window. They plan to file again July 1st when the window is open, so look for him to make a comeback. And uh, Some of these players, I, I wish them the best when they, they make their return, and I, I hope he can find a home. And the Blue Jackets, it reminds me of a player like uh, Duclair who just bounced around from different teams and he finally found his home and his niche and in Ottawa. So I, I wish him all the best. Um, some retirements I want to talk about. Chris Fatigue retired from professional hockey. He's a former fifth-round pick by the Bruins. He played in 643 games, scoring 358 points, 149 goals, 209 assists with the, the Hawks, the Panthers, Flames, Leafs, Flyers, Hurricanes, and Kings. So I uh, wish him all the best. Andre Markov has retired from professional hockey as well. He's a sixth-round pick by the Canadians in the 98 draft. He played in nine, all 990 games with one team, the Canadians. Uh, just 10 short of that 1,000-game mark. So I spent the last three seasons in the KHL. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd, it would have been cool to see him just come back for 10 games, play that, and retire after that 1,000th game. It's a big milestone for players, but I guess it was his time and he was ready to do it. So I wish him all the best in future. And another one that some people might not really know, but uh, Tony Martinson retired from professional hockey. He was a former seventh round pick for the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. He played in six games, scoring a goal and uh, an assist. Um, yeah, scoring a goal and assist. And then he had a, a couple back-to-back 50-point seasons with the Cincinnati Ducks. So um, a former duck, I wish him all the best and good luck on all three of their retirements. Yeah, the the, the key thing about these retirements is I, I want to see with this whole paycheck and how the season uh, winds up because like we talked about earlier in the show or, or any other future players, right? There's going to be some other guys that might possibly retire if this thing keeps dragging out, decisions aren't made, right? Uh, we talked about Ryan Miller's another name. So I wonder how it's going to affect players that are you know connected to the NHL um, you know, with their, their contracts and whatnot. It's going to be interesting. I wish those guys all the best of luck that retired. Uh, good for them, you know. But um, I, I hope that the league doesn't try to come after players that, uh, you know, 
um, decided to, to hang it up this year and then they're like, hey, you know, you played this last year here or there or wherever and we're going to try and take some of the money that you, you should have gotten. So um, it'll be weird to see how that gets worked out. But um, uh, with that, we're kind of wind up the show. I guess uh, the last little bit here we'll kind of just talk about is uh, what, what you're doing in your free time. Uh, we've been watching a lot of movies, Eddie and I have. He's got a, a movie uh, Facebook page up that I know he'd like to talk about. And we've seen a couple movies. We both watched A League of Their Own, or rewatched it, I, I should say. So that was a good one to check out. I, uh, I actually watched a Django for the first time. I hadn't seen that, which I thought was hilarious. There was a, 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 a lot of uh, killing at the end of that movie, a lot of, a lot of craziness going on. But it was entertaining. So I've been watching a, a bunch of movies. Uh, so is Eddie. We were talking about some video games too, but um, I think the one thing we can agree on is that we need some more hockey movies, right, Eddie? Oh yeah, there's not nearly enough hockey movies, and I've been lobbying for a, a you know, kind of a, a Willie O'Ree inspired type of movie, even though he didn't have that much significance, well, like plane wise, but just that that color barrier was the most significant thing i think someone can make a movie about you know uh, uh, you know not, not necessarily a, a full documentary on his life but you know just kind of make a movie about a black hockey player breaking into the nhl and i'm pretty sure it was hell for, for a black player back in the day to, to to pretty much come into a sport in all sports um they made a jackie robinson one they made a few other ones like remember the titans it just i i think a good hockey one would really help development with hockey and bring people of you know black or hispanics or people of you know different backgrounds could see you know how hard these players work and how special hockey is and yes unfortunately you still deal with racism in today's society it's, it's unfortunate and and in hockey too which it's really sad to hear but i think a good movie based on that would really go far and i think even non-hockey fans would want to see a movie about you know you know someone breaking the color barrier, especially coming for hockey. And, you know, hopefully that is in the make soon. Um, it's nothing you know. I haven't read anything about it. I've just been hoping that someone would step up and make it. But definitely need some more hockey movies, and not not movies like Goon, like legitimate good hockey movies. Uh, Team Sonny movie would be awesome. Like, totally, <laughs> that'd be really great. Yeah, yeah, he could play himself. He looks young enough to play his young <laughs> self. So. Little CGI stuff and perfect. Not even that much CGI, but yeah, um, I have a do have a Facebook movie page, RGT4's movie page. I just pretty much put movies I watch. I get a little trivia on it. Get my little score. I watch a ton of movies. I started watching uh, Ozark on Netflix. I didn't really want to watch that at first. I wasn't sold on Jason Bateman being this drug dealer and stuff. But it, no, it's different. It's your, your typical American family. Uh, that just their husband works for the drug cartel laundering money and Jason Bateman was a, a great actor the acting in that that Netflix series does it too like the plot's great but the acting's even better um, it, it, it's three seasons but they're only ten seasons each I binge watched it in a weekend um, so it was really good I'm looking forward to the next season but something that if you want to kill the time uh, go ahead and do um, I watched that Detective Pikachu movie because I like Ryan Reynolds and he's been on a rant lately on social media everywhere, so it's cool to see him. But it, it was it wasn't that bad of a movie. Uh, um, I, I liked it. it. It wasn't bad and just Ryan Reynolds. Just it seems like Pikachu and Ryan Reynolds were meant to be. It's just cool. I was still waiting for like Deadpool to come up somewhere and chop someone up, but no, it didn't happen. But it was a pretty good movie. Um, but yeah, definitely check out uh, that Ozark on Netflix. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I've been looking at Netflix too a little bit, uh, Disney Plus. 
Uh, even played a little bit of video games lately, which I haven't done in a long time. I went back. Uh, I was talking to Thomas about this because we're Final Fantasy fans. So uh, if you uh, have an iPhone or an Android phone, you can go on there and buy some of the games that have been remade. They're uh, role-playing games, basically. But they're a lot of fun. They can take up your time. So that's one thing that I've been looking at, too. And I think, Eddie, you've been playing a couple of video games as well. Well, yeah. Well, I downloaded the like old school Pokemon Fire game, like from the Game Boy Advance. But I used my old phone as a like emulator, and I just mirrored it to my TV screen. So I was then playing that, trying to catch them all. It's something to do. It's, there's only so much NHL I can play or GTA, <laughs> Spider Man. But it, yeah, it was it's good way to keep my my time. I guess just forget about things. Hours pass by. I spent too much hours playing that stupid game. Um, but yeah, I've been playing that more. Uh, I've been working out, like I said, more. Just doing little workouts at weights, the, the small weights that I do have here. I've been doing burpees so I can get up to those 44. <laughs> so just uh, I'm barely going to do my uh, change out my wheels on my, my skates and put my old school wheels so I can skate outside so I can do some skating because I really miss skating. And, yeah, I need to get outside and skate more. So I'm going to probably do that this week. But, yeah, just trying to keep my mind uh, busy. If you guys ever want to reach out for movie recommendations or ask me about a movie, you feel free to send me a message and be happy to talk to you about that. Yeah, and I think another good point you brought up as we wind down the show here is, you know, go outside. Uh, I mean, yeah, we talk about movies and video games and, and stuff like that, but if you can go for a walk where you're at or, you know, I like to run. I know people hate that, but I mean, if that's something you like to do, um, you know, get outside. The other day, my wife and I, we just drove down to the beach and we didn't get out, but we just drove down. We, we drove up and down the coastline, and, and then we came back. You know, it was good just to get out and do that uh, for a little bit. So do something to help with your sanity. And like Eddie and I have talked about, if you ever want to talk, you know, about anything or you're, you're struggling, we're, we're here for you. We're more than happy to talk about it. And I've already talked to a couple people um, that have been dealing with stuff and trying to help them out as best they can. So, um, like I said, with that, we'll wrap up the show. A couple quick little announcements here. Um, we did have Chris V21 on Instagram ask about giveaways. We are going to be doing more giveaways. Um, those will be coming out. I don't know exactly what we're going to be doing specifically, but we'll be having some stuff that we'll be posting again. Um, we also have our fantasy hockey league that uh, we're going to give away prizes to, even though the stuff's been suspended. Eddie uh, worked that, so thank him for doing that. We'll get out some prizes to those of you that uh, finished in the top of the league as of right now. We're just going to go ahead and, and give away stuff for that. Um, we still have our Patreon website up. We're still with Cool Hockey working, uh, doing the gift cards each month. So that is still going as well. Uh, we also got more uh, Ducks and Pucks hats in stock, so you can check on tpnhockey.com. Uh, also, Ducks and Pucks t-shirts as well. And I'm working on some other stuff. I don't want to mention it yet until I, I know that it's done, but I'm working on some other products as well to help out um, uh, different communities and whatnot. So look for that as well. And like I said, we'll keep you know trying to do a show, maybe not every week, but you know every week or two, just depending on what's going on out there in the world. Um, and like we always say, you know, um, stay safe, stay strong, uh, be kind.